The pass from Havili was magic. The shift on for Crotty. Boom, far down you go, Quaggett Smith. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that. Yes, boy. Sit back, relax, put your belt on, and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Draft Rugby Podcast, Season 3, Episode 31, uh, where we discuss fantasy super rugby, the game they play online in heaven. You can check out the platform at draftrugby.com and get after us on the socials at Draft Rugby. I'm your host, Kagi, and I am joined by both Harry and Nelson on Zoom. Fellas, yeah. how are you? Harry, you're looking a little bit longingly kind of over at the trophy, mate. It's, you know, happier times, days, days uh, gone past. I've seen better days, mate, let's be honest. Mm. Knocked out to a new bung who's gone four and on me this year. Just absolutely swept me. And uh, I know he broke his arm and had to have an operation, but I feel like I'm the real unlucky one. Do you think he caught you off guard with that? He kind of got the sympathy vote, maybe. You got a little complacent in that um, he'd had a, I think it was elbow surgery last um, week and uh, you just didn't have your guard up. Yeah, that's right, mate. It's a gift from the gods, that elbow surgery, because he was due some good luck and it's come his way. Yeah, I thought he beat you twice before that. But yeah, let's just go with that story. That's true. Four and zero. It's going to be a sore point and um, certainly one Harry's going to want to get back on him next year. Uh, and speaking of, um, of huge changes, I suppose, uh, the one and only Nelson Dale um, is no longer the spoon. He did finally, not complete... uh, finally some justice, mate. Just some justice. justice. <laughs> MZing deserved this more than anyone and I did not deserve to be in that playoff. So I, uh, I, I made my way out, thankfully, and no more wooden spoon for the year. Look, how much? How much did you uh, did you avoid the spoon by for the third year in a row? A hundred or something. Was it that much? Yeah. No, that's not. That's that's not as close as I thought I was. No. Fair play. No, that's a good effort. Um, I think we Nelson and I were just discussing. It was a fairly momentous occasion. A hundred and three, Harry. In that, um, we just we made it. Uh, you know, Facebook Messenger the draft group, the OG League group official by changing the nicknames. Nelson has reclaimed Nelson and Harry is now the has-been. He's gone from the champ to the has-been. Yeah. So, how good. But I'm actually I'm, I'm happy, Nelson, that you didn't go back-to-back-to-back to back to back because it's just more of a mouthful. So now it's just it's easier just to say you were the back-to-back spoon. So, um, That's all right, mate. That's right. You can't escape the past, thankfully. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I just, I just needed to get out of that uh, wooden spoon circle, mate. I'm, I'm fine. It should be said as well that Nelson's retiring from footy next year, so he'll be uh, absolutely laser focused next year. But moving on to the uh, the big dance, Kagi, mate, you uh, you scraped in with the third highest score of the semi-finals, but scraped in you did, mate. You played the man and uh, another final. That's it. Uh, no, Thank you, boys. I enjoy playing the man. Um, it was my, I was going to say arch nemesis, but um, saying that would imply that Nabung is, um, in fact, my nemesis and at my level. So just, uh, I'll just say, I just beat Nabung, who I enjoy beating. Um, and I, look, I wanted to give him some hope. So I picked a few kind of Brumbies players off the bench, a few speculators, you know, Falau Fainga, I thought would come in, almost bagged himself a try on the, uh, the 80th minute, but uh, was called back. So no, it was good. Got to test out some stuff. That's what that's, that's what you can do when you've got a 200-point lead in the first week of the two um, semis. Mm-hmm. But, uh, look, I'm hoping that I can bring it home for the three of us so that one of us who do a Fantasy Rugby podcast wins the championship and not I, um, the rookie of the season. I appreciate that, and I'm going to cheer for Chrissy. So. Yeah, I'll be going for Chrissy as well, mate. He, he deserves it. Minor premier in the pre-COVID season as well, undefeated at the time. 
Yeah. So uh, I'm on. I'm on him. I'd Sorry, expect mate. nothing less. Uh, as the <laughs> as the current minor premier, uh, I'd like to think I have the momentum going into this final, but um, some will <clears throat> perhaps not with my last week's fantasy score. So anyway, we'll see. Exciting things to come. Uh, all right, let's jump into the pod for this week. Um, on our menu t- for uh, tonight, for Entree, we'll be reviewing Super Rugby AU Round 9. For main course, we'll be looking at the upcoming penultimate round of Super Rugby AU, or the regular season. Isn't it just the uh, ultimate round? The pen penultimate? Yeah. The, f- the final round of the regular season? That we happy yeah. with that? Good. Uh, round 10. And uh, for dessert, we are going to look at... Most improved players pre-COVID to post-COVID. So um, in Super Rugby 1.0, we'll call it, uh, which players were doing really well and um, who, were, who was most improved in Super Rugby 2.0. Um, and some interesting insights there. All right, without further ado, let's jump into the entree. So the Reds had the bye this week. And, uh, uh, can, the first can game... I'm sorry, Matt. I just want to make sure that we're grammatically accurate. Penultimate means second to last. We, we did say last week, so it's yeah. right. Tricky for Craigs. I try my best, boys, uh, but thank you for pulling me up. That's good. Just really keeping the flow of this pod going. I That's love right. it. Um, keeping on. <laughs> excellent. Um, now, yes, yeah, so the Reds had the bye, um, and the Brumbies, look, we said last week it was pick up the Reds. They absolutely trounced the force, and uh, this week uh, we thought the Brumbies would do the same. The scoreline perhaps uh, suggested they, they did a... A better job than they did, I thought. But um, who wants to rip in and take us through the Brumbies and the Force? Look, I'm, I'm happy to jump into this one. Uh, the Brumbies and Force, there was five tries to two to the Brumbies, 31 to 14. In terms of the return column, as Kagi said, Falau Fainga off the bench, Joe Powell back into the starting side, Henry Stowers, Tevin Ferris from his concussion. And there were a couple of new injuries with Tevin Ferris again getting injured this time for his ankle and Brad Lacey got pulled pre-game, which is probably the best thing for the force possible. Um, <laughs> the, the force were so much better than we expected. I, I suppose we'd probably, you know, based on what we thought was going to happen off the last week or two, pr- pr- like more than what had happened for the rest of the season, we'd been saying that they had 60 minutes in them against a lot of the top sides, and then that's when they sort of faded off. And, and it was very similar, I think, in, in this, uh, that they followed that storyline. At 60 minutes, they were down 17 to 14. Um, and we just thought things were going to fall apart and get much worse earlier than that in this one. But they, they, uh, they stayed hard and, and fought this one out. And it was that last 20 minutes, I think they just asked too much of the elder statesmen. They're guys that are, you know, 20, uh, 35, 36, 37, and they're leaving them on to the back end of the game, which just seems like they're asking too much. It was also, I just wanted to say, I don't know if you guys saw, but Kahui took quite a beating throughout the game. I think yeah. there might have been another injury that, to someone else that necessitated, um, necessitated him staying on, but um, he, he got almost knocked unconscious and he, he could barely get up. And they didn't even take him off for an HIA. I think they kind of... Like you said, the elder statesmen, they're, they're putting them out to pasture. They're like, I'll be done after this season, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think one big thing for the force was their, their line-out improved so much. It's something that we'd torn them to shreds about in, in the past. And they won 15 of their 16 compared to the Brumbies, 15 of their 18. So I think that might be two weeks in a row that uh, they've been the stronger side in the line-out, which is, is quite surprising. Um, Harry, is anyone here that impressed you in this match? 
Uh, look, I, I think that the two obvious ones at first, first and foremost, I've, I've been a little bit uh, cooler on Bailey Kunzel than a lot of other people. Um, I thought he had a really good game for his standards. I just think he controlled it really, really well and probably actually deserved a little bit more of the applause this week. So I thought he was a real standout for me. And the other one, the obvious one, the low-hanging fruit, is that Nick White, when he came on, was a class above. And oh, so good. I, I mean, I found myself umming and ahhing if you give him the Wallabies number nine jersey. And don't get me wrong, Tate McDermott's still the obvious competition, but he's just so far above anyone else in that, uh, in that race at the moment. He really is the test player out of all the halfbacks in Australia at the moment. I think he we was, discussed it. I, I, I personally, I'm going to have Jake Gordon in there for my Wallabies team. Um, but uh... Look, I think for me, uh, if Nick White can put in a few more performances like that, he's, he's proved why he's been brought back and why he was in the Wallabies squad over the World Cup. He, he was just absolute class. And for me, I love Tate McDermott more than anyone. And I still think at the moment, if it continues as it is, Nick White's the man to start the match for me. And I think Tate McDermott has just got so much punch. So you bring him on the back end of the game and that's where those gaps are for him. Especially to blood him as well. You know, it's a lot easier to, to bring a young guy in playing more and more minutes off the bench rather than making him start four tests against the All Blacks. Yep, that's true. I, I just want to say, I also thought Kunza was very good. I liked that he, he actually ran the ball back a lot, but yep. um, the low hanging fruit was Tom Banks. Uh, mate, how good was he? Uh, he, was, he was brilliant like always. I, I, I'm a big fan. Harry, uh, I think he's been less convinced. Like always, mate. He's been horrendous this year. It was he He was great in this one. I'll give him that. He's the fantasy man of the match. But he's had such a shocking year coming back from injury. And Kagi's right. He, he was exceptional in this game. Yeah, I, I, sorry. I was thinking Tom Wright, not Tom Banks. Yeah, Tom Banks has been poop. Um, yeah, look, the, the <laughs> meters the meters in this one was 569 to 281. Uh, tackle busts were 28 to 13. This is both towards the Brumbies. 10 to 3 line breaks. The Brumbies also had 91% tackle percentage and uh, the force had 77%. The fantasy man of the match was Tom Banks, as we alluded to. 65 points, 13 runs for 128 metres, which is awesome. One try, six tackle busts and a line break. Tom Wright, 54. Alan Alatoa, 48. R.A. Simone, 46. Bailey Kudzel, 43, Andy Muirhead, 41, and Will Miller, 40. Just shows goes to show, pick against the force. And for the force, Lee, Fergus Lee Warner got 59 points. should say Will Miller as well deserves a shout-out. I thought he was really good in his link play, and it's something that we haven't seen as much of at the Brumbies yet. He's been a big worker, but I thought his attack was really good. Yeah, I think you're bang on with uh, pick the force. No, sorry, pick whoever's playing the force. Quite a few good scores there from the Brummies, but none of the uh, the big 90 point scores that we saw from the Reds the week before. But um, still, very good. All right, on to the next game. We had the Rebels and the Tars. Um, I watched this in our, the mates' living room, about a kilometre from the stadium, but couldn't seem to convince anyone to go to the game. So, um, how good a fan am I? But um, there you go. Uh, Harry, do you want to run us through this game? Yeah, this was a good game. Um, I really enjoyed this. I ended up watching this on delay on, on Sunday because I was out of the 30th and really, really enjoyed it. So the, the Tars obviously got up 38 to 32. They, had, they scored five tries to the Rebels four. Returning, uh, he didn't miss a game, but Matty Tamur before the bye got knocked the hell out. Uh, so good to see him coming back and actually looking as sharp as ever, to be honest. 
But mm. uh, there was one injury as well. Tommy Horton came on uh, off after about 45 minutes and he was seen icing his hammy on the sideline. I know yeah. Kepa keeps an extra close eye. Not Kepa, Kearnsy, sorry, keeps an extra close eye on the Waratahs hookers. And uh, he, he had mentioned that Horton was limping around a little bit before that as well. So I think that's probably an injury and maybe casts a little bit of doubt if they do manage to scrape their way into finals that he might not be right. Mm. The question watching any of these TARS games at the moment is which TARS team is going gonna, is gonna to show up. And it's almost like they're a week on, a week off. Um, so again, if they do make finals, it's great that their week off is during their bye. Um, <laughs> but look, they, they, they turned up. They were the confident, dominant side that we know they can be at their very best. I thought the Rebels did pretty well to stay in it, to be honest. In the first half, you had... One of the big changes, Tepai Moroa brought in at 12, and I think they realised that they needed some more players to get them over the gain line, especially with their lightweight pack and without the impact of Carmichael Hunt. And I thought Tepai Moroa was really, really good. We, uh, we had a big conversation ourselves in the th- on draft night about the fact that his biggest weakness before COVID when he did get a little bit of game time was that he was so slow laterally, and then he really did look like the rugby league player coming back to the code that he'd grown up with. And, you know, he looked slimmer. He's still very big and physical and dominant, but uh, he looked like he belonged. I, I think he's a really good prospect for next year and might be a big reason why they haven't offered Carmichael Hunter contract. There was, um, yeah, you go, Nels. There, there were some rumours as well that because he wasn't getting that game time that he was looking back at league um, to see if he could go back that way. There were only rumours. We, we can't know that for sure, but um, I think it was a good chance for him to have that run. And he, boy, oh boy, did he look more fit than he did at the start of this season. And I think that that shows, you know, attitude for him. We know he's a, a hard runner, a hard defender and can offer a lot. And it was quite disappointing to see him earlier on in this year. But I think he's really proved that he, he's got what it takes, um, at least at this level. Yeah, he definitely did every, everything he could to lose weight, mate, even including uh, a atrocious haircut, mate. He cut off so much of his hair. He had this disgusting yeah, kind of... Cut that top off. Yeah, like the creepy thin man from Charlie's Angels. It was, uh, yeah, it was like, come on, mate. It was bad. Um, but yeah, yeah look, I think he looked really good, and, and you can't blame him for looking back to league as well with the uh, with where the contracting is at the moment in Australian rugby. But That's hopefully, it. we can keep a hold of him because he is a prospect. Hmm. Uh, I, I think the other one that I really picked up on in this game in terms of the Waratahs attack was how much they wanted to attack that inside channel. So there was, a, there was a few different instances that stood out to me. The first one was Gordon giving the little one-two pass. He passes back inside to Michael Hooper. No, sorry, he passed one off the ruck to Michael Hooper and then Hooper just pops it straight back inside to Gordon to try and slice through with his quick acceleration. Uh, I like it. Through there. And there was another one where Hooper came back in and gave the inside ball to Joey Walton where he scored his first super super rugby try, first ever. Um, they, they used it a few times. They've scored a few times off Swinton, I remember, early in the season. They gave yeah. it to... Maddox. Maddox. Addicts, yeah. That's what it was. Mate, so, as I called it, the, the Jake Gordon renaissance, mate. He's uh, creates so much in attack for them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But uh, obviously, they're trying to use those loose forwards to help feed those inside balls, considering that the, the uh, defence is normally not setting for them to be a playmaker as well. So that was really good to see. Halftime, 17 to 10 to the Waratahs. Um, another standout performance, I thought, from Jack Dempsey. He's been fantastic now four weeks in a row. Just in everything, gets over the game line, sniffs a try. Really, really good to see him back in full flight. And he basically buried me with his two performances in the semifinals. So, I mean, despite that, I'm still happy to see a, a good Waratahs man playing well. 
Um, after the 60-minute mark, the Tars are up 31-17, to 17, two converted tries. I thought they were going to go on with it, to be honest with you. But I think it was all Matt Tamur that kind of kept them in the game. I thought he was outstanding at number 12. Um, I don't think it matters where he plays 10 or 12. He's just an exceptional player. You know, I think a few things that stood out for me was, first of all, that really hard unders line that he hit. And he went through a couple of the loose forward for, forwards from the Tars to just score a try and touchdown there. That kind of kept them in the game on the scoreboard. Then you had another one a little bit later in the game where Maddox looked like he was going to score for money and uh, Tamil put a big hit on and then managed to hold him up over the line. And then even later on, you know, he set up Corabetti uh, down the left side. He just kind of threw the dummy, sliced through the line and then fed him and Corabetti slid over from about five out. You know, it was just big play. Ten out. Ten out he slid in, was it? <laughs> I think gas, mate. He can slide from anywhere, but... I, I, it was just, it was just the Matt Tamur show. I know people were saying, oh, Nasarani all the way, but Matty Tamur was the best player on the park by a country mile to me. I thought yeah. he was exceptional. Even I can agree with that, and I had Nasarani carrying me uh, into form. Big, big pick from you as well, mate, saying that he was looking good and he was going to come back into form. I never back a man into form, yeah. but paid off. He must have been almost your entire fantasy points, actually. He was. He basically was, yep. Yeah. So. Isi Nasarani, look, two big moments in this one to finish off. First of all, Isi Nasarani's second try. Billy Meeks throws an offload in offload inside. He was clearly out. Black and white, clearly out. Then there was a phase or two before they went over the lines and it never got looked at. But that was really disappointing because that was the first obvious blunder on the touchline I've seen. Normally the touchies are really, really, really on it. So that was really disappointing. Uh, and Lockie Swinton as well with the shoulder charge into Issy Nasserani's head. He took his head off and Nasserani was surely concussed. Um, that should have been a red card. Absolutely. I was happy as a Swinton owner that it wasn't, but uh, it definitely should have been a red card. So a bit, bit dodgy there as well. We're talking about how, I think, was it Matt Phillip got a yellow card for you know touching someone in a line-out and um, someone almost yeah. takes Nazarani's head off and doesn't get anything? Yeah, Matt Phillip's mine as well, so I was copying all of them. But uh, I, I think, to be fair, the Matty Phillip yellow was was uh, a warning before that the Rebels were told that in the, if there were any more penalties anywhere in the field that they were going to get a man sent. So I think that was just consecutive penalties, to be honest. Uh, for the match stats, I thought first half was real tar- really Tars dominant, 62% possession, 67% territory. Then it flipped in the second half. The Rebels had 56 possessions, 60% territory as well. The run metres were relatively low, 283 to 305, a few line breaks apiece. Um, and then uh, I think the, the big key was the lineouts. The Rebels were really impressive, 17 from 17, which is massive. And the Waratahs, 13 from 17, what was a real strength for them in the first half of Super Rugby AU has started to slip away a little bit. Tackle percentage is really high on both sides, 93, 91%. So I don't know if you read that as um, as good defence or poor attack, but <laughs> I choose to believe it's it's good defence. And, uh, and the Tars still giving away more penalties, 11 to 8. We, uh, we touched on the fantasy man of the match, Isi Nasarani, uh, as well. He had 68 points, 15 carries for only about 20 or 5 metres. Two tries in that as well. One of them he poached off a rolling ball, which definitely shouldn't have been his, but we'll let that go. The prince that was promised will surely be uh, absolutely chomping at the bit to take that one off him next time. He also had a line break and offload and 15 tackles. So 15 runs, 15 tackles is hard not to score a lot of points. Uh, from the Rebels, speaking of the Prince that was promised, Ulysses had 52, Corabetti 45, Matty Tamua 44, deserved more. 
Cameron Orr, 40 points with a few offloads. Really love watching him play. And then on the TAR side of things, Jack Dempsey, 62 points. Gordon, 49. HJH, Johnson Holmes, 49 points with another pick-and-go try. And Michael Hooper, one of the best running and attacking games I've seen from him in a long time, 42 points for him as well. Yeah, definitely one of his most influential games, especially when the game got tight at that back end. He uh, influenced with the charging... Uh, charge down of a kick that led to that last try. Also, he had that try assist as well a little bit early on. So, he, he had a massive game. Indeed. Are you, um, just to pull you up on that point, are you still picking Fraser McWright over Michael Hooper and your Wallabies at the moment? Or, um... Mate, I, I, I've said the whole time I'd be picking Hooper to start. Kagi, <laughs> <laughs> short memory, mate. How good was Fraser McWright a week ago? I know. I know. Fraser McWright was brilliant. Uh, off the bench, mate. That's, that looks good. No, very good. All right. Um, yes, well, I mean, that was a big charge down, Andrew Deegan, uh, and that will bring us on to um, the main course of will we see him start again uh, next week? Um, but let's uh, firstly do the buys. The Waratahs will have the buy in the main course um, and they will, I guess, watch with bated breath to see if they uh, end up in the finals or not. So I think the first fixture, which is the Rebels and the Force, the Rebels need to win and with a bonus point. No. Um, no? They don't need a bonus point. They, they just need to win by more than four points. Ah, there we go. Yeah. Four competition points behind, three uh, for and against points behind. So, yeah, we, we need <clears throat> very good force showing as a bunch of Waratah supporters, that's for sure. Uh, how, confident, on a how confident do we feel on that before we even get into the preview? We're feeling very, very confident. We um... Incredibly. Mild. <laughs> Excellent. Um, all right, sorry, no, I jumped around a little bit there, but um, it's, it's going to be a pretty good Super Saturday. Um, we're going to have a few games of rugby, but there's also a, uh, a Kiwi um, North versus South, um, which is going to be exciting. So, um, Kansas oh, wins none on of the Auckland players are playing in that. Is that right? Uh, I'm not sure. I read today that um, they're back out of lockdown, but I don't know what the the protocol is. So um, we'll see. We'll have to see. But um, anyway, big 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 day of rugby on uh, on Saturday. So very exciting, particularly for those who are still in our fantasy competition. Um, <laughs> silence, I love it. Um, all right, so the first game we have the Rebels and the Force. Uh, the I think the mantra will still apply, pick players who are playing the Force. So even if they're the Rebels, probably going to score some tries. Uh, is looking real good, let's just say that much. Um, so, uh, well, look, I'll start... Away your first pick on uh, the grand final night, mate. It's probably not going to be Corabedi. I'll tell you that it's much. It's in Asarani for sure. I know you. Look, it could. But hey, I told you, it's coming into form, mate. It's coming into form. Um, no, it's going to be Taniela Tupo. Could be Taniela Tupo. Nothing the force, mate. Maybe I should learn and pick up um, Tate McDermott, mate. He was. Um, I don't know. It's, it's tough. We'll see. Doesn't matter who he versus. A lot of planning and preparation to do. Um, but yes, all right. For this game, Rebels and Force, the only possible returning from injury I think that we're aware of. Is Dane Hellerpetty, the captain, um, returning from an MCL injury. Um, and I think they, he could have been right to play last week. Uh, yeah. So we, if it was a final, yeah. So we highly expect him to play this week. And um, what do you guys think? I, I would expect him to slot straight back into the starting team. You don't bring your captain off the bench, particularly your Wallaby fullback. Um, straight back to start? Uh, look, you, you'd have to assume so, wouldn't you? But... Um... I don't think it's an absolute given. You know, if he's a little bit undercooked, I could see them giving him the back end of the game. But, yeah, the expectation is he starts. They have to shift Hodge somewhere. 
I know that uh, there was an interview where Hodge said he was talking to Dave Rennie and Rennie was talking about him as a centre and said they wanted centres that were very good kicking options. Uh, so maybe, you know, this is the move that means that they put Hodge back to the 13 jersey and give him the option to actually get a little bit of game time there. Yeah. yeah well, uh, sorry, go now. No, no problem. I think it's going to be an interesting one. I mean, it's not a bad week to bring him off the bench when they do, you know, the the force tend to drop away towards that back end of the game and, and get him to influence that, that you know, final 30, final 40 minutes, whatever it might be before the finals. But again, yeah, he's your, he's your captain and he's, he's such a good player. It doesn't matter how long he's been out. I think he'd be a huge influence. But um, mm-hmm. Wessels did say... And it might be tongue-in-cheek that it was going to be very hard for him to work his way back into that starting side with how good Hodges been. So. He said that, mate. Come on. You can't be... No, that's what I said. Tongue-in-cheek. Tongue-in-cheek. But, look, I think Hodge is definitely a, a 15. But uh, Haley Petty's too, too good to, to not have on the field. Well, it's interesting. While we're on that, I guess, the, the question then is, um, you know, there's a lot of potential reshuffling. So, uh, if they want Hodge on the field and in centre... Uh, I, I think we all agree that we, we think Campbell Magna has been fantastic at 13. But You're right, Callaway. We, we could see could see him gone. Uh, could see Callaway gone, Hodge on the wing. We could see Tamua slot back to 10 um, and uh, Hodge into 12. I doubt it, but um, lots of possibilities. I mean, I think Billy Meeks has also been very good, but he just doesn't seem to fit into the picture. Uh, obviously, you're picking Matt Tamua over him, but... Um, yeah, it's, it could be potentially a lot of change this week. Um, and I guess we'll just have to see what happens. Um, I think going into the finals, they're not going to want to make too many changes. You know, I think what we see this week is is probably going to be as close as possible to what we'd see the following week if they are in the finals. Fair point. Um, all right. So uh, let's take a quick look at the last time they played. So in round five, the Rebels and Force played. It was it was a game that was kind of, as by the stats, almost as even as you can get, really. Um the score, it was 25 to 20, the score, three tries to, to two, literally 50-50 possession and territory, 99 carries each, uh, 119 to 120 passes. So it's like they were just mirroring each other. Uh, the meters are pretty close on around 300 each uh, and a yellow card each. So, and they both they turn, turned over the ball about 15 to 16 times. So very close. In, in all regards. Uh, and I think if we look back on this one, um, it was kind of forces game to lose, really. There was obviously the very easy to remember point of John O'Lance missing a penalty goal, an easy penalty goal to win the game. Um, and then uh, just to remind everyone, the game was won in super time with Nazarani scoring a try in the 82nd minute. So yeah, super even game. Just um, the only difference really being, uh, the Rebels a couple more tackle busts and the Force had double the line breaks, had eight to the Rebels' four. So really interesting how it played out last time. I don't don't think I, I have confidence to say that's how it's going to play out again. Um, even though they did do a much better job against the Brumbies last week, the Force, and I think the scoreline of that game, which it ended up at 31-14, probably isn't very indicative of how well they played in the first 60 minutes, the Force. I just, I think they, we've said it every week, they're getting tired. They've been away from home for a long time and the last 20 minutes of each game has been getting worse and worse. So I think the Rebels are really going to just have, keep their feet on the pedal the entire game. That's all they've got to do. You know, that's that's what they know they've got to do. So, Having said that, they can't really use the excuse of being away from home this week because the Rebels have been as well. Yeah, exactly. Very true. That's right. This, this is a home game probably in Leichhardt for the Rebels. So um... Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Um, 
All right. Uh, just getting through a few quick points. Uh, I mean, look, yeah, as the force really have to get out to a lead quickly if they if there any chance in this one. In terms of personnel for the Rebels, we say it every week. Surely Pony back in to start. Um, Ainsley doesn't really excite me. Aura and Ulysses have been fantastic, but Pony just that the aura that he brings. Can I make a point on Ainsley? Uh, he, he got pulled up and warned actually about binding on the arm. Um, and then he just continued to do it throughout the rest of the match. He got, he got a warning and the penalty never came as, as far as I know for the, the arm bind. And it was, it caused the scrum to go down on numerous occasions because he was pulling that side of the scrum down. And I thought it was, it was good from um, uh, Parrot. Is it yeah, Parrot, the the female ref? Yeah, from the sideline, she she actually picked it out, um, but then nothing came of it, and he just did it literally at the next scrum again. Look, I, I don't I don't know how he started. Jermaine Ainsley was under an injury cloud going into this game, and he still started, and he's also going to the Highlanders next year. So surely they should be doing everything they can to build Pony up, but it doesn't seem to be happening. So they must see an issue in Pony's game to be able to keep starting week after week. I think Ainsley starts. True, and they just signed him for another two years, Pony. So they're like, oh, we don't have to start you now if we don't want to. We've got you. Right. <laughs> but yeah. Um, all right, in terms of uh, the Rebs, Nazarani coming back into form, we've talked about it. it's been good. The back row of the Rebels, uh, Wilkin, Brad Wilkin or Hardwick, and Wells or Kemeny. Um, Wilkin and Wells, the Ws. The Ws? Simple. I, I have to say I agree. Simple choice for me. But, Harry, what do you think? I think Wilkin's been really good. Uh, you know, Hardwick, uh, it's hard for him to find. It's always been hard for him to find game time. But um, I think Brad Wilkin's been great. Brad Wilkin will start for sure. Um, the six I'm not as confident with. I think it could go either way. I know they really liked Kemeny personally. I'm with Nelson. I'd pick Wells as well. Excellent. Uh, and speaking of back rowers, the force, look, I mean, it's very simple for them. They need to start Stowers, Ferris and Stander if they can. Um, obviously, Ferris had the ankle injury towards the end of the game. So, mm. don't know the severity of that. We might not see him. But Stowers and Stander, uh, you know, the majority of their go forward. And um, Stander came off the bench. He was great. They only came off for the last 15 minutes or so, I think. But um, they just need both. And they, and they took Stowers off as well. I was like, just leave Stowers on. Um, I don't know what they were doing. But uh, I, I think the big thing was, well, the, the only way I can rationalise it is it's all about their line out. They knew it was such yeah. a massive weakness for them. And since moving Fergusley Warner to six, it's mm-hmm. really solved that problem. So, I, I mean... In terms of the balance of the quality of their loose forwards, yeah, I completely agree with you. If they're putting their best players in the park, those three have to all start. And and if not, you know, Kane Gatekar will probably start at seven purely just because he's an actual open side. Um, but I, I just don't see them going away from what's been working so well with their line out, especially with the Rebels having Matty Tamua, who is known to be probably the best tactical kicker in the Australian conference as well. I, I, I don't see it happening. That's true. For mine, it's just Ollie Atkins is junk. And um, yep. in terms of the sum of all the parts, they lose out way more by having Ollie Atkins uh, there operating in the lineouts um, than having their three best back rowers on. I would move Fergus Lee Warner back into lock. But um, can, I just, can I just point out one thing that to bring a lot of our points together, though? We, we talk about them you know, not being able to last out the, the full match, the full 80 minutes. Maybe the perfect thing is bringing Stander on for that last 20 rather than have, you know, all your best players on early and all your punch early and then have nothing left at the back end of the game. Like, realistically, it makes them have a way more solid line out and then they can bring on a lot more punch by bringing someone like Stander on in the back end. To, to be honest, that's how I wanted to end this 
this games conversation anyway. I think they need to do that for a lot of their positions. I think Kahui should be playing the last 30 minutes. I think that Thrush even arguably needs to be looked at playing 40 or 50 minutes at the back end. They need to try and use their young guys when the game's a little bit tighter at the start to try and get them through and then get all their old heads to try and finish the game off. You know, Kagi said they need a 20, you know, they need a big lead, let's say a 15 to 20 point lead in the first 60. I, I reckon that it's not actually very doable for them. I think they need to make sure they have all their experienced heads on fresh at the end of the game. Yeah, I agree. I think there's definitely some changes there where they're going to bring a lot of these guys on with the experience and the grunt on a little bit later. You just you can't be getting 80 minutes out of these guys and expect something to change. It's It's been week after week. So I think, you know, you, you saw it with South Africa where they bring on a lot of punch um, with their, their hit squad, bomb squad. Um, the force need to do something like that. You know, there is some some experience and some control early on in the game and you take a few of those guys out and sure it's huge, but you bring them on in the back end of the game where, where they've been lacking. I think that's, that's really important. Yeah, no, I think those are valid points. I think the force just don't have the cattle beyond, you know, they, they can barely field 15 quality men. So um, it's, <clears> difficult, it's difficult to do that. But I, I think the only way... Back on their first first game or two of the season when they came out absolutely all guns firing. Uh, it was the first game of the season they came out and scored two or three tries against the Tars, I think. Um, mm. And it, we were amazed by that. I think that that's their only hope is if they come out absolutely firing and manage to put enough of a lead and just, you know, absolutely smash the morale of the Rebels for um, anything to come off. But um, we will see. Uh very good. Any last ones on this? I think, I think yeah, look, for all of us, I'll just say we're all back picking the Rebels to win. It's just how much? Look, I think just one more thing rounding out what we were talking about, the, the dynamic that they need to change. Jack McGregor, um, he needs to start again at fullback. He's been really, really good. And, and maybe that difference is, you know, um, Lance is playing a bit one-dimensional. Maybe he needs to, to leave the field and Jack McGregor needs to shift in and, and lift that energy a little bit at, at the, the fly half jersey at that back end of that game. Rebels by two points. Tars into the finals. Rebels by three points and then a two-man sack race to see who wins and goes in the finals out of Tars and the Rebels. On, on that, I think it Morgan Tuanui reckons it goes to the most tries and the Tars have five more tries to the Rebels. Yes, so for sure. if, if, if the Rebels score five tries and only win by three, I'd be amazed. So let's assume that's still Tars three. I love I love your both of your optimism and wishful thinking, and uh, I'm terrified of the idea of the two man sack race because that would probably include the captains Rob Simmons versus Dane Halepetti, and uh, <laughs> anything like that. I don't see us winning, so uh, I'm going to pick the Rebels by. I'm going to say they're going to win by 20, uh, 25. 20? So twenty five. Wow, mate! Twenty five. Your tactics already. It's pick Rebels and Reds this week, isn't it? Could be. That's going to be pick Rebels. That's it. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, let's um, jump on to the second game, the Reds and the Brumbies. Now, I'm pretty excited for this game. I think think we all are. It's going to be a ripper. Um, does this game determine? Does this game actually determine who gets the home final, or is that that's already locked up the Brumbies now? I think no, the Brumbies. Yeah, the Brumbies are seven points clear, so nothing's going to change there. But look, this this was such a brilliant game last time. Um, surely they're going to be, you know, people, anyone that likes Aussie rugby should be watching this game because it's going to be, you know, just a, a, an awesome game to watch. In terms of that ret- returns column, we've got Hamish Stewart uh, after his hit pointer, Hunter Paisami, hopefully from his MCL, Alex Murphy, 
um, from his concussion. Do we know anything about that, Harry? Uh, there was just, it should be a concussion, but there was a comment, like a throwaway comment saying that it was a long-term injury. So unless yeah. something's happened behind closed doors and they haven't announced it. So, yeah, I'm not sure, but, it, I, you know, he left the field with a concussion last time he played. I'm not sure what's going on there. Yeah, and uh, another one that I'd be super excited to see is um, Chris Fairway-Sortia um, after his calf injury. Yeah, we and have no think, idea, though. Yeah, we don't know. And Craigs would love to see Tavita Karendrani. Um, but as far as we know, as he hasn't been injured, uh, I don't think, has he, Harry? No, not injured. They just dropped him on... Well, I don't know about form, but they definitely wanted to give Carter a try. Yeah. Good um, <laughs> Which Craig's hates the sound of. Uh, look, this the last time these guys played each other, um, the Brumbies were just too clinical, um, winning this one 22 to 23 tries to two. Um, it was one of the best games I think we've seen in terms of Aussie rugby. It was just a, a really, really good contest. The Brumbies had almost 60% of the possession and territory. They had 509 to 356 metres, um, but they had far less carries. Um, they had less tackle busts. The The Reds had 27 to their 16, um, but they had more line breaks, 7 to 10. So, I mean, they, they had more ball, but both teams were pretty potent with it. The Reds could make it work. They seemed to be bumping guys at will. And they just have a lot of power through the centres. Uh, was Chris uh, Fawasotia playing this last matchup? I think so. It was probably it was in round five, so I would say so. Yeah, and uh, and having a quick, just quick look to confirm. Yeah, he was. He was on the wing uh, with the Aguna as well. So ho- hopefully we see him back. Um, do we think we're going to see a centre pairing where we we see Hunter Payasami come back in and pair up with Hamish Stewart, or do we think we're going to see? Patea shift back into the centres and maybe pair up with Pace Army or it's going to be a, a tricky one to see how that plans out. What do you, you think is going to happen, guys? Oh, well, look, my, my ideal back line is obviously uh, we have Tate, Jock, Dalgunu, Paisami and Pataya in the centres, CFS on the wing and Jock Campbell out back. How good would that be? That's firepower <laughs> for you right there. I would love to say it, but I think what you'll probably see is Pataya will stay on the wing no idea why, but he will. Um, they started Josh Fluke at outside centre over him to give him a chance. So he obviously dislocated his shoulder. He's long gone now for the rest of the season. But um, Pesami, if he's fit, I reckon he just slips straight in. To 13, yep. <laughs> yeah, he'd, he'd be a good guy to see returning. Um, for Laufeinger, surely he comes back into this starting side because it's been a few weeks in a row that we've seen him on the bench. Two weeks, yep. Sorry, I said few, not uh, a couple of weeks, Harry. Um, and who do you, you think we see? Do we see McCaffrey or do we see Valentini at six after what's happened this last week in terms of the, him, him getting the start over him? They made their big changes two weeks ago after a pretty dour performance. But I think my, my expectation is you're going to see them start to revert back to the norm for themselves. So McInerney got his chances at starting at the uh, in the number two, two jersey. And obviously... He uh, he was also put forward as a name of of interest in the world potential Wallaby squad as a pony player. So um, he had his opportunity, and I don't really think he took it with either hand, really, to be honest. So I think Flaufang will definitely start, and Valentini as well. I think he's been pretty good off the bench. So uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me if Valentini started over McCaffrey. Yep, for sure. Um, I think with Flaufang, all you need to know is that. 
Harry and I, in our semi-finals draft last week, we waited till the very end um, to pick Falafringa over Connell McInerney anyway, because um, he's junk, McInerney. Uh, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. Looking at uh, the back row for the Reds, the, the man who everyone knows I love, Mick Wright, he's just been playing so well. Surely you have to keep him on as the number seven um, moving right, keeping right at your blind side uh, flanker. Uh, the Reds forward pack just picks itself, basically. Um, the only thing is, Hoopit should be around. Craig's, I think you think Hoopit's going to be starting. Is that what you, you, you're hoping for? Well, I think he's clearly the best loose head prop in the um, Red squad, and amazingly, almost uh, one of the more experienced ones now. Look, I know um, JP Smith's still around, hasn't seemed to feature. <laughs> Yeah, he's been injured. Yeah. So um, yeah. after that, it's Hooper as as a youngster. I think he's still only twenty one or twenty two. I don't know, but he's uh, the next senior loose head prop, and certainly I think he's the best loose head in the red squad. Um, and I would be highly surprised if he's in straight back in starting. Well, he's had two games off the bench now as well. Jack Stracker has been has been pretty good, but I think they said he was their fifth choice. Um, so I, I can't see how he would continue to start. Um, over someone like Carrie Hooper, who who has a pretty well known future in front of him as well, I think he's a, a very talented player. Was it two games off the bench? I thought he only came back last week off the bench. I thought it was two. Maybe yeah. I'm adding one. Yeah, no. Unless he didn't play the week before. Ah, uh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Take it back. It was. It's only the one. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's it. Back from injury, so just eased back in last week. Be surprised if yeah. he didn't start this week, but. Um, yeah. No, I think the Reds, the Reds pack just picks itself, really. So just Hooper, everyone else, we know what we're doing. As Mel said, McWright's definitely in with a start. Um, and the back line, we've done that. I'm excited. There's going to be a good game, good Reds team. Um, can they deliver the goods? Can they keep up the attack and the discipline is going to be very important. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how this set piece pans out as well. I mean, it's going to be a pretty good scrum battle. You've basically got the Wallabies front row and you've got... Um, Taniela Tupo, you know, coming for Allen, wanting, wanting that starting jersey as well. Um, and it, just two pretty solid packs uh, in terms of lineouts as well. The Reds still lost more lineouts against the Force, even when even though they smashed them. So, um, mm-hmm. Brumbies, I, have, I think, have been up and down a little bit in terms of their lineouts throughout the season. But I think it's just going to be a good, uh, good uh, battle between these two Ford packs. All right. Well, look, I'll jump in first and put all the pressure on you boys. Um, who's Give me tips. Who's winning and how much by? Nels, we'll go you first. I'm going to say the Reds will win this one. Uh, and the Reds will win this one by three points. Harry? Yeah, the one thing we haven't mentioned yet is it, it's a red time game and that means that the Brumbies have to do the day trip. And that's an extremely tough trip for every team to make at the moment. So I'm with Nels. I think the Reds will get over and that'll be, you know, the deciding factor. Um, I reckon Reds by a little bit more. I, I could see them kind of running away with it a little bit and winning by eight to ten points. So let's say eight. Um, well, look, I will say Reds by eleven points. That's what I'm just going to say. Yeah, so, uh, I just think, um, yeah, I think the the home game factor is is quite big for the Reds, but also. I think just the momentum that they have from their last game, a week off, some solid training under their belt, they're going to they're going to come out absolutely all guns blazing. It's going to be awesome. So. I agree. I think that there are only a few little negatives, you know, uh, Josh Fluke being in there and Pace Army not being there for a little while, a couple of little changes, but 
Mm. Boy, they've looked good recently, no matter who's filling those roles. That's it. And I'm, I can't wait for the scrum battle. It's going to be awesome. So lots of scrums. Want to see them. But anyway. All right. Uh, well, that will take us to Deserto. Uh, you don't need to do that, mate. What's a god do with that? Deserto. For dessert, um, I don't know which one of you came up with this, but uh, as we mentioned in the uh, menu for the tonight, thank you. Um, most improved players pre-COVID to post-COVID or Super Rugby 1.0 to Super Rugby 2.0, if you will. Um, I think we've just gone for two players per position uh, and I'll kick us off. Pick the team, champ. We picked the team. Ah, very good. That um, shows how much I've read the notes. Um, excellent. Right, well, uh, I've been prompted to go first as a man. Um, big boy. Thinks, as a big boy. As a big lad and who, who um, thinks that the, the numbers on the jerseys rank the importance of the players to the team, as I've said before. <laughs> uh, the props up front. Offa Duanga Farsi. Um, Pre-COVID, uh, only played a cup. I'm not sure how many games he played, but had an average of 18 points. So a little quiet by his standards. Perhaps uh, wasn't as fit, didn't come back from preseason as fit. Um, I can't quite remember, but um, he's a massive lad anyway, so it's hard to tell with him. Um, Post-COVID, 39-point average, huge season there for the Blues, uh, particularly the back end. I don't think he started immediately. I think it was a couple of games in until he was starting for the Blues uh, in Super Rugby 2.0. And um, he just got better and better from game to game, showed why he's in the All Blacks, um, absolutely world-class, just so physical. <laughs> like His game line ball, the hits, I, I love the hits he was making. Um, and yeah, 39-point average for a tight head prop is awesome. So um, he was huge. And then um, Angus Wagner, probably not expected, but um, I guess he has a pretty big, he's pretty improved from pre-COVID to post-COVID because he didn't play pre-COVID. So that's a, that's a big improvement from, from that baseline, massive improvement. Um, now he only, he only featured in a handful of games for the force as well, but um, I think he played in three games, uh, but had a 35 point average and he was awesome. So it kind of came really come out of nowhere, but um, I remember the first game he was, uh, I think they were scrumming up against the reds and he was absolutely destroying the red scrum. That was, um, quite unexpected so he was very good all around the park again a big tight head prop but makes a lot of tackles um i wouldn't say the most dynamic of players but um certainly did very well so hookers the prince that was promised uh we were just discussing before the pod that as long as the uh, rebels are sponsored by elastoplast and the tape rolls of tape keep on coming uh he should be he should be fine he uh Appears to get injured every week or pre-game even um, and still just soldiers on. Uh, they just literally cover him with tape like the mummy. Um, but no, he's been getting better and better. Um, and he's certainly, I think, shaping up to be a favourite for the, the Wallaby squad. Um, perhaps, I don't know about, so obviously not starting with Falafinga, but I think he's firming up as that um, bench hooker, I would say, for sure. What do you guys think? I th- well, I thought both his and Tommy Horton's line-out throws were excellent on the weekend as well. So I think whichever hooker can throw straight is probably the favourite favorite for the Wallabies jersey, isn't it? Yeah, look, I, I think 
it also depends on who the props around them are. And if you've got two two props from the Brumbies, then there's a good chance you're going to see Falau Fanga there. But if he just keeps throwing it poorly, then, yeah, I agree. We might get to see someone else. Yeah, no, I, look, I still think Falau Fanga's heads and shoulders above him. I think Falau is fantastic just in all aspect, facets of the game. Uh, perhaps Ulysses maybe has him on the, uh, the pilfer, on the fetching. Um, but... Uh, Anyway, I didn't mention his average. He had a 41-point average post-COVID Super Rugby 2.0, and his average was eight points um, in the first seven rounds of Super Rugby 1.0. So huge improvement from him. And, um, yeah, I'm excited to finally see him play some games back-to-back. Um, it's been really good. Obviously helpful that uh, Anna Rangi hasn't been fit as well. So the man that normally takes a lot of time off him. I think he's gone, Rangi, next season as well, right? So we'll see him much more. I think more- so. He is indeed, absolutely. So they signed, uh, who was it, Marfu from the Sunwolves as a replacement. And um, he really has been, you know, the replacement for the last 20. And he has he cannot throw the line out at all, that's for sure. He, he, he's, he was performing a little bit better, I think, at the, the Sunwolves prior to coming across. So hopefully he just needs a bit more time in their, in their setup. Yeah, he's, he's, I'll eat my hat if his throwing is above 50%, honestly, because um, I would be highly surprised. You are wearing a hat. Why are you wearing a hat? It's just comfortable. Don't know. It's uh, okay. So what's going? All right. Well, Nels, how about you take us on to the locks and the back rowers? Yeah, sweet mate. Like basically along the same lines as why you're in the front row or have played in the front row. That was slow as always, mate. So I'll just pump through this a little bit quicker. In terms of the locks, Fergus Lee Warner, maybe a smoky for the Wallabies. He did not play pre-COVID. Obviously playing out of the Western Force, but he has had a forty-point average, which is. Big. I think he's he's been really, really solid. He's been really impressive. Harry and I did know about him prior to this season. Kagi had never heard of him because he doesn't do his research and watch the NRC, even though he's the only one in the finals. Uh, Nick Frost, pre-COVID, again, a, a player that we knew a lot about, had spent some time with Crusaders and come back, but just couldn't really crack that starting side or couldn't really crack the side at all for the Brumbies. And he's had a 36-point average. He's, he's still only 20 years old, I'm pretty sure, Frost. He's, he's so young. He, he's he runs like a giraffe. Mate. I think he's, he's doubled in size, though. Just now under a proper super rugby fitness program, eating a lot of food. Because, yeah, he was like a giraffe. And now he's filled out his frame. And I'm excited to see how good he, he's going to become. He, he still runs high knees like a giraffe, mate. He, <laughs> he just... Interesting running technique, but I think he's got a big future ahead of him. In terms of the back row, Shannon Frizzell, 50 points, a guy that we expected so much from for so long. But in the pre-COVID period, he only had a 19.8 average. So now 50-point average. That is a massive step up. It's more about where we think he should be. Um, 19.8 is, is just nowhere near you know, the class of the player he is. But it's good to to see him put a few good games together over this period post-COVID. Lachlan Boshir, I mean, he's got a 55-point average. He was brilliant throughout the entire year. His average was 40 points pre-COVID, but he's still gone up 15 points. Um, he's been another absolutely amazing player and needs to be playing in that all-black squad. Akira Yuani, a guy that we've asked so much of. We just wanted to see him included in this, this all-black squad and actually fighting to get there. His pre-COVID form was 25.7, whereas in post-COVID, his average was 41 points. 
And obviously that's helped by him getting a start every single week with Hoskins to 2-2 fading away. And I think yeah. getting injured. Uh, I think he, he did get injured for a few weeks, yeah. To the back line, uh, halfback, I feel like if you had to pick anyone that was the most improved player on fantasy points, you could pick it from a mile away because he just played so well in Aotearoa. Uh, Aaron Smith, 51-point average, which is just mammoth. And as a halfback, that doesn't always score that well in fantasy footy. It was crazy. Uh, Pre-COVID, he was 24.8. So he literally over-doubled his score and... I mean, stamped his authority down as the best halfback in the world, without a doubt, in my eyes. And I think, yeah. I think, you, I think you thought he was, you know, around twenty-eight years old or something. We looked him up; he's either thirty or thirty-one. And I think we all agreed that's some of the best footy we've ever seen him play. <laughs> Outrageous. Uh, Richie Moonga was so far and away the best fly half. He had a se- and best player. 76 average for this season, which is insane. Ridiculous. And- I mean, I think he did it last year for me in my fantasy team as well. But pre-COVID, his average was only 24 points. Put, put it this way. He almost averages one point a minute. 0.97. <laughs> he is a freak. Yeah. Mm. The centres, uh, I, I think the real standout breakthrough player was Peter Rumunga Jensen, who's had a few opportunities to try and grab a jer- the grab, jer- grab the jersey in the past and has never, ever done it. Pre-COVID, he had an average of two points. And post-COVID, he had an average of 41 points. And he looked really, really good. For the he's, he sold me and I thought he was horrendous for a long, long time. So well done there. Uh, Jordan Pattaya was the other one. Obviously had his injury troubles, but a pre-COVID average of 19 points. Post-COVID, still with some injury troubles, but 33 points. So he's been electric since coming back as well. The outside backs will split them up. Um, to start them off, I'll go from the fullback. Willie Jordan uh, obviously helped with uh, the absence of David Havili. 38.3 average pre-COVID, which is pretty solid in itself, but 57 in Super Rugby, Aotearoa. So uh, insane form from him. Huge. He was, uh, he was one I picked up, just waiting for Havili to get injured, and um, lo and behold, perfect. Uh, right. in the finals, mate. He is, he is. The Crusaders are, let's be honest. Um, all right, uh, Marika Koreobete. No, Koreobete. Um, he had a pre-COVID average of 21.8 and a post-COVID average of 33. Um, he is he's a winger that you can feel confident picking. Uh, I mean, it's hard to feel confident picking someone in the Rebels necessarily um, every week, but he's, he's in terms of wingers... He just goes looking for work more than anyone else. Uh, and that's just proven by the pick and drives. Just the man will get you some points. He'll find a way. So he's been great. Obviously, the uh, uh, Wallabies' uh, most valuable player or most... Um, yeah. Was the most valuable player last year? Yeah. So um, And a show-in for the Wallabies uh, this year, you'd have to think. Um, Even great. more insane when you think the opposite winger, Andrew Kellaway's average post-COVID was seven. <laughs> yeah, and he had a big average prior to, to the COVID as well. Yeah, huge. Um, the final winger is a guy that actually is trying, basically gunning for the same spot in the Wallabies. Uh, Filippo Dalgunu, he fills a similar role. He goes looking for the ball. He's a dangerous finisher. Doesn't have a few other things to his game, similar to uh, uh, Korobidi, can't kick. 
can't do anything else. Harry's just pointing out that it is Dungunu. Um, I'm not, I didn't, I haven't ever heard that it's actually N other than the commentators who normally butcher other names. So I'm not 100% sure that's correct. Maybe a Fijian, if they listen, can can point that out. But I, I've thought that's always been incorrect. But look, his, pre, his pre-COVID uh, score was, average was 24 points. And post-COVID, it is 46. So almost doubled. Um, he is just an electric, exciting winger. And I'd love to see him in, in a Wallabies jersey. Um, and there's more competition coming from for him next year with Suliasi Vunuvalu potentially still coming from uh, Rugby League. But look, it would be good to see him in that Wallaby squad, but he definitely feels a very similar role to Corabidi, and I don't think we'll see them both on the wing together. And I think it's exciting because he's he's fended off um, foreign offers uh, and, you know, uh, national... Even though he's foreign. Yeah, indeed, and, and other calls because he's he's made it he's laid, he's made it clear he wants to play for the Wallabies. So, um, legend, that's, that's really awesome. Um, and uh, Kagi, I hope you're hungry post dessert, mate, because I look. I think up, we're full up, bro. I think the menu's done. I think. I, did you hear the kitchen closing? I couldn't hear it. Uh, post dessert, dessert. Efimafu's lineout stats, mate. He won twenty lineouts. He lost four. Look, you have done him a real disservice. That could be right up there with the best in the comp for the Aussie comp. Could be um, the best. I'd like to say that these stats are definitely wrong, but I also don't because I'm in the finals, so I'm just going to rely on them being correct. Um, uh, yeah, well, look, all right, fine. He did all right. What can I say? You just like know. to make things up, I think. Eat the hat, mate. Eat the hat. Yeah, Probably, I must have owned the only four lineouts I watched him throw must have been those four that he missed. So take that hat off, mate. It's not eating. That'll have to, that'll come a separate video later. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, so look, if that's if there's no further business, um, I think I can say on behalf of the OG League and all our listeners that we're all very excited to have a Daleless final uh, in the OG <laughs> League in 2020. Um, one day. Is it? Fine, it could it be the first ever, Harry. No. Nah. We had one. Oh, we had one without us. Nelson, also, that's a bit rich you trying to claim we when that would be about 99% Harry. And I think I've made three grand finals, Craigs. Very good. All right, well, uh, that's another going to be another wrap from us. And uh, thank you for staying with us. And uh, we'll catch you again next week. See you later. See ya.